Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top of mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining BDO's podcast series, Getting to the Boardroom. I'm Nicole Ward-Parr, and in this series, I have the pleasure of hosting some of the most distinguished executives currently serving on public company boards, to discuss their journeys and the paths that got them there. Today, I'd like to welcome C-Suite Executive and Public Company Board member, Betsy Adkins. Betsy is a three-time CEO, serial entrepreneur, and founder of Baja Corporation. She has co-founded enterprise software companies in multiple industries, including energy, healthcare, and networking. She's an expert at scaling companies through hypergrowth and leading them to successful IPO and acquisitions. Betsy is a corporate governance expert with an eye for making boards a competitive asset. Her corporate board experience is vast and covers multiple industries, including technology, financial services, healthcare, retail, automotive, manufacturing, and logistics. As a corporate director, she brings an operational perspective which focuses on taking friction out of the consumer experience. She leverages broad contemporary knowledge of digital technology to reduce costs and drive efficiency and productivity while using AI machine learning analytics to streamline processes. Betsy has written three books on corporate governance. Her most recently published book is titled Be Board Ready, The Secrets to Landing a Board Seat and Being a Great Director. She currently serves on two public company boards, Wynn Resorts and SL Green Realty. She's also a member on the board of Volvo Cars. Betsy, such an amazing background, and we are so grateful to have you join us to share about your journey to the boardroom today. Thank you so much. Welcome. Nicole, I'm delighted to be with you and the audience. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So, so let's dive in. Let's start at the beginning, going back, right? Uh, we'd love to know when you were considering your first board role. Did you have a strategy, a thought process, or specific approaches that you used? Well, my first board role was on a company that I co-founded and wrote the business plan and negotiated the venture investing. And I said to the venture investors, um, a condition of their investing was that I would be able to be on the board. So my strategy was, if you want me to take your money, you have to take me along with it. (laughs) That's fantastic. I love that. I love that tactic, that whole negotiating uh, approach there. Way to go. That's pretty powerful. That's, that's, that's terrific. And so how, how did that play out for you? And did you leverage that board role into another or your second? Well, my belief was, you know, and, and I think it's true for everyone listening. Why not me? My ideas are good. I think and problem solve as well as anyone else. Why shouldn't I be part of this board process? So I deliberately set out 
uh, with a conscious plan that I wanted to join other boards. So I talked to colleagues in the venture capital world, and my first boards were a series of private venture-backed corporate boards. And then, of course, some of them went public, and I was kind of on my path pursuing public boards. And I have always still and do now pursue private boards as well, both venture and and private equity backed. Got it. So you have the range, clearly, um, of doing both private and public company boards. I'd love to come back to that a little bit later just to get your perspectives on that further. But, But in terms of actually getting those roles... Um, you know, was it, uh, you know, what were some of the specific tactics um, or how did you leverage your network to get access to those other board roles? So with the venture investors, uh, and the same would be true of private equity, what they're looking for is how are you going to help them make the portfolio company, the businesses be more successful? And if you look through that lens and if you my approach was to try and uh, forward invest and prove to them that I was an asset. So what I did was I asked, you know, can I help coach or mentor uh, some of your portfolio companies? You know, here's where my experience would be relevant. So you'd look at your own experience. If you're a technical person, a finance person, a marketing person, you know, where your experience is relevant to the portfolio company. By offering to to just give help for free, then I evolved it to how about if I become an advisor to these companies? Let me do an advisory uh, advisory board gig. And so you show that you're adding value. And if you do that a few times, then it's reasonable to say, you know, uh, I think that I could be a great asset for one of your boards and here's where I could fit and, and why I'm different and how I could help that business grow. So if you look through that lens, then they are, that's a receptive audience. That's fantastic takeaway, I think, for our listeners is focusing on where you're going to be able to add value and then doing it in a complementary fashion initially, like you say, in an advisory capacity. And then you're able to point to a track record. You know, uh, that's just uh, that's it's a great takeaway. I think very good. And and did you have a champion or a mentor, someone who was senior to you in experience, but that could give you guidance and insight along the way as you nicked your knees and sort of uh, learned the ropes? You know, everybody today has mentors, sponsors, champions. Uh, when I started, it just wasn't a thing, and I didn't. But I I had a great advisor in my mom who basically said to me, uh, if you pay it forward and if you forward invest and if you forward deposit into the bank, uh, then you can withdraw. So if you do things for these venture and private equity investors where you're helping them and you're not asking for anything in return, you're just forward depositing into the bank, proving credibility, follow through, execution, value add, uh, if, if you're doing that in advance, then it's reasonable to come back some number of months later after you've made a considerable deposit, not like one little favor. You've got a pattern and they see that you're reliable, you're there, you follow through, you execute. Uh, then it's reasonable to go back and ask 
and say, you know, I, I think that I'm adding value and here's why you would want me. So it was my mom's advice of uh, forward invest, be generous spirited, pay forward three to five favors or ways of helping before you ask for help. I love that concept forward investing and, and, and paying it forward and, um, and adding value, um, almost altruistically knowing that on the back end, it will speak for itself. Um, and that, that they would welcome the opportunity to help you further, right. As a, as, as a token of all the value that you have added along the way, I think that's brilliant. And in, through the process, um, of your board, early board experience, how did you self-identify areas where you thought, oops, I don't know about that and I should, uh, or wow, this is an area I'm going to need to improve upon where I could be adding more value, um, you know, because we all have those blind spots. How did you self-identify those? And then how did you, you speak to those to, to further prepare? I think that, first of all, boards will look at you as having certain domain strengths and expertise that you're going to bring. So look to your, first of all, evaluate yourself and what are your core strong areas? You know, if you're a finance person, then maybe it would be valuable to learn more about uh, product strategy, uh, be more conversant on marketing, but your main power alley is always going to be finance. So I, I think in, in terms of how you message yourself downstream, it's going to be where your power is. You do need to be more well-rounded. And there's a lot of great business books and YouTube info out there and colleagues who will mentor you. And I think that that sets you up to go to your boss uh, and, you know, your, your boss's sideways peer and to work through the organization and find somebody who you connect with, who you think has the orientation to be helpful. And that's a way to ask for mentorship to say, you know, uh, I'm, uh, you know, a super talented uh, finance uh, person, but you could then go to the CMO or the chief uh, revenue officer. Uh, let's say you're in an organization and you're, you know, a, a vice president of finance, you're not the CFO, but you could then go to those other peer CMO uh, and CRO and say, you know, tell me about how you do revenue forecasting, how you think about which geographies and territories to go into, how you look at productivity of the sales organization, whatever it might be, because they're happy to mentor you when you're interested in their area. And, you know, uh, assuming you've selected somebody who's oriented to be receptive. So I, I think that's how you round out your general business knowledge. Great. Now that's excellent points there. And I'd love to know what mistakes you made when you were in the boardroom. What were some of the unforeseeables and the whoops <laughs> that you encountered uh, as you as you came up? I think that the mistakes uh, that I made are natural ones that everybody makes, uh, which are in the beginning, you contribute too much, over-contributing, talking too much, you know, just uh, agreeing with others. You don't need to agree. Uh, you know, if you don't have something unique and different to, to contribute, don't just chime in and chirp up, oh, that was a good point, so-and-so, uh, nice idea. No, don't do any of that. Um, the, uh, the way you ought to think about boardroom 
communication or, or how much do you talk is like baseball. Nine innings, three at-bats. You don't need to speak more than three or four times. Make it meaningful. <laughs> That's great. I, that's that's a wonderful share. And and I think, uh, like you say, uh, you know, sometimes when we're nervous, when we're unfamiliar, uh, we can try to fill in the you know fill in the blanks, and it's not necessary. Uh, that's that's fantastic guidance. And in terms of uh, preparing, um, what what type of uh, preparation do you do? Uh, when you're going into the boardroom and, and, you know, is there a certain agenda that you drive, certain questions that you go in prepared to ask? Is there a formula that you use or is every situation different? Uh, there is a formula and an approach. So preparing uh, either for a board interview or a board meeting is sort of the same uh, in terms of research. I look at of course, the material on the company, what you can find online and really valuable on YouTube. And I look at the CEO's earnings uh, report that they do with the analysts, which is recorded and you can get the whole transcript. So that gives you a good frame of info on the company. The second thing is to look at the industry and look at the peers. And there are, you know, reports from Morningstar and the banking financial analysts, but there's also industry reports, um, which you can get from Gartner or Forrester or IDC. Those are big industry research that will give you, you know, everything going on in the financial services industry. What are the innovations in online payment and whatever it might be. And then I look at McKinsey, Accenture, uh, Boston Consulting Group. I look at those uh, sort of macro trends uh, reports that talk to you about what are the emerging trends in each vertical industry. I feel to be a valuable director, you need to do your homework and bring a new frame of reference, not just what the company gave you, which is important and you have to study it and know it, but that's their lens on their industry. And you're supposed to be bringing a new perspective. So you got to do a little more work. I think that's a wonderful segue to my next question, which is really about diversity in the boardroom, right? And the value that you as a boardroom and the different perspective, which you just shared, that's so important for you to bring, right? To contribute, to, to add value. So talk to me a little bit about diversity uh, on the boards uh, on which you sit. So I think uh, we should think of diversity as cognitive diversity. Uh, because if everybody is exactly the same, we all see the same opportunity, uh, and then we all have the same st stigmatism. We we all miss the same risk. Uh, <laughs> so, so you're looking for a, a range of thought. And so obviously, if you're not including women, that's half of the entire you know people on the planet whose perspective you're not getting. So you certainly want gender diversity. But I think it's a lot more. I think you want generational diversity. I want to, if I'm a direct-to-consumer business, I want to know what Gen Zero and millennial consumers are thinking, especially as they're outsized influencers and don't have the brand loyalty of um, Gen X and, and baby boomers. So I want, I want generational diversity. I want ethnic diversity. I want geographic diversity. You know, large public companies in America, typically half the revenue is outside the U.S. So where is the viewpoint on Europe and Asia? We need that in the boardroom. 
So I, I think that uh, it's, it's a range of diversity of thought that you're looking to have because that gives the best discussion, debate, and the most thoughtful outcome. Uh, excellent points. Uh, and I couldn't agree with you more. And in terms of the boards that you're currently on, are there are there certain ways, tactics, things specifically that you've done to encourage the diversity that you just that you just sort of outlined? Yes, actually, um, I'll, I'll share a little story. I was on the board of a wonderful company. I was the lead independent director and governance chair at Home Depot Supply. And they're a stocking distributor for uh, the Home Depot you know, but for the professional, for the big construction worker, the facilities manager, um, somebody running um, you know, an apartment building, whatever. And we were talking about our e-commerce, our website, and digital transformation. And I'm from the tech industry, so it's a normal, it's a buzzword everyone's heard, but nobody knows what it is. And I said it and I looked and everybody was like, digital transformation, what's that? Um, and I realized we were not all at the same sort of understanding of what is digital transformation. And our CEO is terrific. So we brought in, we had working dinners. Instead of going out to a restaurant, eating another fattening meal and just socializing with your colleagues, we went to the training room of the company. We brought in a speaker from McKinsey, followed by a speaker from Boston Consulting Group, followed by a speaker from Accenture. And we had the leadership team of the company there. And each of the three speakers from the big consultancies talked about how they defined digital transformation, what it meant, how you did it, how did you operationalize the concept. And after we'd heard the third speaker in a row, because we started at five and each speaker we left an hour, so five, six, seven, and we had pizza and salad on the sideboard. You know, we really had a pretty good appreciation of what did that mean. And it was such a great model that I've done it ever since on my other boards. We bring in a speaker on cyber, whatever the topic is, robotic process automation, disruptive business models, the gig economy, uh, marketplace models, whatever it might be. And that really has proven to be a great way to get um, more different uh, thought into the boardroom and more perspective. Yeah, that's truly innovative. And what a great approach that's refreshing, right? And, you know, it, it leads me to the thought, and, and I'd love to get your perspective on this, how just how much the boardroom has changed and how much uh, innovation uh, is talked about, but also expected, um, you know, on behalf of the board members, right? There's so much for you as a board member to stay in front of, to to have an understanding of, right? All the things that are now, you know, that are real responsibilities uh, for board members. I'd love to get your thoughts on uh, what is innovation in the boardroom and how has the boardroom changed even just, you know, 20 years now into the 21st century? So the boardroom model of engagement is very different. Um, you know, in the past, um, you know, in, in the 1990s, you know, boards were more formal and more oversight. Uh, and, and we saw the whole board engagement model change post Enron and WorldCom where you had these catastrophic meltdowns. And the first thing that came out of that was this thing called the executive session, where at the end of the board meeting, management leaves, the CEO leaves. They're always a little nervous, especially the CEO that we're going to talk about him or her, which we are, and we do. 
but it allowed for the board members as a group to talk about opportunities, concerns, and that evolved. The next change in the boardroom was the strategy offsite, which now is a best practice. Most companies once a year do a three or four day board meeting, a deep dive into the company's multi-year strategy. And as board members got to understand the underlying assumptions, the next big change was boards are more interactive. They're not just doing oversight, approving the annual plan. There's more time left for discussion and dialogue and engagement. And I think now we see the view of the board as more of uh, an asset uh, to help the company anticipate risks because the rate of change, as you said in your question, uh, you know, innovation is at a geometric pace. So your competitors change quickly, business models change quickly, and so the engagement is more interactive, and, and I think that's all a positive. So that's been the kind of change of the board engagement model as I've observed it. Excellent examples, uh, for sure. And I would love to get any other thoughts or comments, advice for the listeners that you think would be particularly meaningful what are the questions I forgot to ask you, Betsy? <laughs> um, the, I, I think the question of um, what should be my process to get my board opportunity? How do I go about it? And I wrote a book that actually gives you the roadmap of all of the different avenues to the boardroom and the tools and, and the specific sort of playbooks to, to go after each of the avenues to the boardroom. Because... There is multiple avenues. There are your peers in the company who would recommend you. There's the search firms. There's the outside accounting firms who advise boards, the outside law firms who advise boards, the outside bankers. Um, there is, you know, all the governance watchdog agencies. Uh, for the women in the audience, there's a lot of great women's groups that will help promote you. So there are many pathways, which I describe in the book, because I'm assuming people are listening because they're interested to get an opportunity to get on a board. And that's what I lay out in my book, Be Board Ready. How do you be board ready and how do you get there? Fantastic. Yeah. And just to say that title again for you, it's Be Board Ready, The Secrets to Landing a Board Seat and Being a Great Director by Betsy Atkins. Uh, Betsy very excited to um, to to get all of your thoughts um, and your perspective uh, on all all things board related. And I can imagine the book is just another um, another wonderful journey and, and and full of lots of great insights. So very much appreciate that. And is there any any last any last thoughts uh, you'd like to share? Yes, yes, please. You, you can all do this. There's no reason why you're not smart enough hardworking enough, clever enough, uh, valuable enough, and you should aspire to get to the boardroom. You absolutely will add value. Go for it. Don't ever, you know, shortchange yourself. You'll do great and you'll be a terrific contributor. Oh, I love that. And I'll go back to what you, what you said at the very beginning, which is why not me? 
Why not? Right? Which is wonderful. Uh, Betsy, all of your thoughts are so appreciated and such a great perspective with so much insight. Truly grateful for you to spend the time with us that you did this morning. And uh, many thanks. Be, be well and, uh, and, and thanks so much. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to BDO in the Boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at bdo.com slash BDO Boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit bdo.com slash BDO Knows Governance.